This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. We've got another hour of old-time radio crime for you, beginning with Pat Novak for Hire. We'll hear Fleet Lady, his episode from March 6th, 1949. After that, it's the adventures of Michael Shane and Judge Thorman Schott, his episode from January 14th, 1947. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Broadcasting Company brings to its entire network one of radio's most unusual programs. Pat Novak. For hire. Sure, I'm Pat Novak. For hire. That's what the sign out in front of my office says, Pat Novak for hire. You gotta put it in block letters because down on the waterfront in San Francisco, there's a price tag on everything. You gotta do that or marry a rich widow. I don't like to work that hard, so I rent boats and do anything else that's cash and carry. Oh, it's all right. You don't mind trouble because that's one thing you can't duck. It's like trying to dance the minuet and skis. And the best trouble always looks good from the outside. You're all smiles, and you feel like a kid opening a hand grenade under the Christmas tree. I found that out Tuesday night. It was around 7 o'clock, and I was getting ready to close the office when this little guy showed up. It was about the size of a golf bag with arms. If he had a cigar box, he could see over a pool table. He walked up to the desk and started talking in a voice that made you think he was trying to put Lily Pons out of work. Hello, you Novak? You're doing all right so far. What's on your mind? I'm Jackie Gregg. You heard of me, huh? You're the shy type, I know. I'm Jackie Gregg the jockey. You heard of me, huh? All right, now I heard of you. Put the show on the road. I'm looking for a horse. You want to find me a horse? Yeah, I breed him in the back room. What color you want? You're so tough I got to take that from you? Calm down before you wind up in a boy's choir. If you got anything to sell, put it on the line or beat it. I'm riding the horse tomorrow called Fleet Lady. She's disappeared. She's not here. I'm supposed to ride the sixth race with her tomorrow. The Bonanza handicap, and she's gone. All right, she's gone. Maybe your horse likes to go out at night. I haven't seen her. Get to the point. I'll give you 200 bucks to find that horse. Somebody took her in a van. I trailed him down here at the waterfront. But you lost him up at the ferry building. That's right. Something funny's going on. My mount disappeared, and you got to find her. This is a big waterfront, and where's the 200 bucks? You'll get that, all right. Down by Pier 19, they turned in. You think you can find Fleet Lady? I don't know. Who owns her? Woman named Sybil Thornton. She's, um, mixed up, I think. Yeah. Why steal your own horse? I don't know. Run a ringer, maybe. That's a tough trick. This woman's got some good ones. You want the 200 bucks? Yeah. How are the odds? What's the difference? You gonna open a book? You better take the 200 bucks now. Yeah. The dough will keep. You sound frightened, Junior. And you sound nosy. Here's the 200. I want you to find the horse. You let me know at the Kingston Hotel, huh? Sure. If you don't find anything around the waterfront, maybe you better try the track. Ask around there. Yeah, by the way, how do you fit in? How come you got $200 interest in that horse? Maybe I love horses. 
What do you care if maybe I love horses? I don't. A guy like you's got to love something. Oh, it was a real sweet proposition. A jockey in search of a horse. There was something phony about the whole thing. I had the 200 bucks, but I didn't feel good. It was like a guy stealing a murder gun to help out in a scrap metal drive. Well, after the little guy left, I closed the office and started to hit the docks, but it didn't work out. You can buy good whiskey these days, so you feel funny walking up to some guy on the pier and asking, Have you seen a racehorse around here, mister? And by nine, I was sure that horse wasn't around, so I borrowed a car and drove out to the track. I found out where Sybil Thornton's horses were quartered and headed down that way. It was pretty dark. So when I bumped into her, all I got was a vague outline. She had a good-looking vague outline. I'm very sorry. Yeah, I'm full of regrets, too. Shall we try it again? Aren't you a little mixed up in your animals? They keep horses here. You don't seem to mind. No, you lean nicely. But you'd probably feel safer with a platform. We'll try this again when I've had three good meals. That's a horse. Yes, I know. In fact, I own her. I see. That'd make you Sybil Thornton. Yes, what would that make you? A guy named Pat Novak looking for your horse. I was hired in the waterfront to find her. Why, they grow big on the waterfront. You must get a lot of sun. By the way, is Fleet Lady missing? Your jockey says she is. That's why I'm snooping around. Didn't know he had any friends. He's got a checkbook. How about Fleet Lady? Is she tucked in bed? Yeah. Let's take a look. You'd find it very dull, Mr. Novak. Yeah, that's what they said to Anthony. Let's see the horse, huh? Suit yourself. She's down this way. Okay. I'm doing this out of the bigness of my heart. I think you're wasting my generosity, Mr. Novak. Don't use it all this trip. It's from in the stable. Come on. All right. Down about here. Fleet Lady's stall. Here. There's a flashlight on the wall. Okay. Poor thing. Do horses die broke, too? Who is it, Fleet Lady? Yes, are you satisfied? No, I'm going to ring up headquarters. Are you crazy? Then I'm going to call Jackie Gregg and tell him his hunch paid off. I wouldn't do that, Mr. Novak. Stop kidding me, sweetheart. She didn't get killed in a fight with another horse. Gregg figured somebody was tilting the machine. That's why Fleet Lady's dead. That's why I'm going to call headquarters. Shoot yourself, but remember what happened to Fleet Lady. You getting tough, Angel? No. You just wouldn't look good with a saddle, Mr. Novak. watched her as she turned and walked out of there. It was the kind of a walk that makes you flip the calendar and find out how far away spring is. Well, I looked around a while, but it didn't do any good. The place was full of doors, so whoever killed Fleet Lady got out easy like a rumor at a church picnic. I closed the door and went down the line to call headquarters. As I stood in there talking, I saw Sybil Thornton drive by was a long convertible with red asbestos seat covers. After I called headquarters, I went back and waited near the stable. About a half hour later, a police car pulled up, and when I saw who got out, I began to get unhappy like a three-legged man in a ballet school. It was Hellman from Homicide, and he had a squad with him. All right, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. Hello, Novak. 
Where's your trainer? Your boys get paid to laugh at you, Helm, and I don't. Yeah. Where's the horse? What are you doing on the case? I came for the ride. You mind, Novak? No, I just wondered if they wised up downtown. Yeah. Because you could find a dead horse, Hellman. If they staked it out in the middle of Market Street, you'd find it before long. I'll try this time. Where is it? Stall 18 over there. Yeah. Keep an eye on him, boys. I'll be back in a minute. In here, Novak? Yeah, the one with the teeth like yours. You better shut up, Novak. Don't get jumpy. You haven't seen the horse. Just shut up, huh? Well, wasn't going to be much of a conversation anyway. What color horse was that, Novak? What do you mean? Take a look. Yeah, I did. I just took a look. It's a smart horse, Novak. Huh? That's right. That dead horse in there is wearing a double-breasted suit. Hellman got the message straight. I walked in and took a look. Jackie Gregg was lying there on the floor as dead as last year's love. The sickness didn't show until we rolled him over on his stomach. Somebody had gone duck hunting in the middle of his back. I began to feel a little sick myself and was ready to send out for the same gun when Hellman started to talk. You forgot to mention the guy when you phoned headquarters. He wasn't there. I was in here before and the guy wasn't around. What was he doing out of the horse? I don't know. Hellman maybe crawled out of a crack. I don't know. There were two shots. I came in and found the horse. Yeah? Check the horse. You're trying to tell me the horse shot back? Who is he? A guy by the name of Jackie Gregg. He gave me 200 bucks to find a missing horse. Yeah? A horse called Fleet Lady running into Mars Handicap. This is the end of the line. How do you know it's the same one? I don't. Maybe you gotta be a horse to tell. Why don't you ask one of your boys? <laughs> yeah. The boy's real tough. Call him off, Hellman. He's nasty. We all hate him, Novak. It's all right. I'll put it on your bill, Hellman. That's good. You can write it up at headquarters. Hellman, you ought to run an idiot. The heavy thinking's too much for you. I can piece this together. We come out here and find a dead man with you kicking up dust 40 feet away. Look, Hellman, I didn't kill the guy and then call up headquarters. I know they're bad in homicide, but I'm not that big-hearted. We got a spare hook for you, Novak. That's where you stay until somebody gets you off. Well, you can start out with Sybil Thornton. Another horse? She's got the speed for it. Look her up. She owns Fleet Lady, and she was dashing around here in the dark, playing easy to get. I'll look her up. You better leave the boys behind. After all, she's only a woman. When you see her... Ask about that van down on the waterfront and ask what she was doing before I made that phone call. I'll tag all the bases. Don't worry, Junior. And if things fit together, you'll both be in the jug. I'll see you later. I got work to do. Yeah, it's getting late. You better put the boys back in the cage. I began to worry after Hellman left. There was no murder gun and he didn't have too much to go on, but... Because no one else wanted my job. I knew the girl was going to have an alibi, and I was the last guy that Jackie Gregg had seen. I had about as much chance as a fat girl at a Princeton prom. Hellman didn't like me, and he was a smart cop with a disposition like a ton of rhubarb. I had to start right from scratch. I felt like Adam the first morning he woke up. So I looked up a guy named Jocko Madigan. An ex-doctor and a boozer who will give you a lift if you show him where the stirrups are. Oh, a good guy, but he thinks all food makes a gurgle. I hit all the bars and finally found him up at Maggie Nielsen's apartment. She's a good-looking voice that lives up on the hill, and Jocko was working his way into her liquor supply. Hello, Patsy. You're just in time to join me for my first drink of the evening, or one of my first at least. Yeah, I see. Maggie's not here, but I found her whiskey. It was in plain sight, locked in the closet under some newspapers. All right, Jocko, when are you going to sober up? I plan to do it briefly on April 1st, when the rest of the world plays the fool also. I'm in trouble, Jocko. you got to help me. 
Good. I've got a special bottle I use to forget your troubles. Stop caressing that jug and listen to me. I'm in a jam. Patsy, there's nothing in nature so sad as a half-empty bottle. It's like a broken vow or an unfulfilled promise in the skies. A falling star, almost. All right, Jack. A falling star, and you shrug it off, never realizing that a whole world has ended at that moment. A hundred million dreams, maybe, and you watch it fall and make an asinine wish, and that's all the good it does is start to fall. It gives some kid a chance to wish for a bicycle. You finished now, Jocko? Yes. What kind of trouble? Anything I could aggravate? I'm mixed up out at the track. A guy by the name of Jackie Gregg is dead, and I don't look good. Uh, Hellman? Yeah. The guy's a jockey, and he hired me to find a horse named Fleet Lady. Did you? Uh, the horse and the jockey ran a dead heat. But there's something funny about the whole deal. Did you talk to the jockey? Not enough. Well, Patsy, you've got to break yourself of the habit of waiting until people are dead before you think of a question. Jocko, I want you to hit all the horse rooms. Find out what you can about the sixth race tomorrow. It's the Bonanza Handicap and hurry up, will you? Well, if it's the sixth race, why can't we wait a while? Start now. Get everything you can and call me. I'll leave a message at your place. Where are you going? I don't know. Maybe up to see the girl. Patsy, you're going to be waving at the hangman's wife when they spring the trap door. I gotta see her. She owns Fleet Lady. Why don't I see her? She's got a stake somewhere. I got a lot of questions. What could you do up there? Uh, yes, if it weren't an academic question, I'd argue the point. Looked like a bum deal right from the start. Oh, Patsy, you have the instinct for recognizing trouble, but not the intelligence to duck it. Jocko, will you get out to those horse parlors? I need facts, not fables. Now, give me a hand. All right. Give my love to a fleet lady. Her name's Sybil Thornton. Well, I'll bet I'm not far wrong. Good night, lover. <laughs> After I left Jocko, I went to the Chronicle morgue and looked up Paul Stangle. We pulled out the clips on Sybil Thornton. Well, they were nice and fat because she'd been to Reno four times and hadn't broke training for years. She'd been traded around more than a Red Sox pitcher. The clipping said that she was 32. There were a lot of pictures, and from her eyes, you got the idea she was around 35. But there were arguments the other way, too. There weren't any stories on her for the last few months, just a few items from the columns. They all said the same thing. She was hitting the night spots with a gambler named Rudy Hauser. There were pictures of him, too. Oh, he would have looked real good in a cave with heavy curtains. I asked Paul. He said Hauser had a gambling place out on Geary, so I took a cab out there. For ten bucks, the guy at the door said Sybil Thorne had left the place an hour ago. That made me feel good. When Hauser opened the door to his office, I lost the glow. Yeah? What's with you? I got a problem. You got the wrong door. Well, you can't get any tougher, so I'm coming in. Hmm. Suit yourself. I never throw anybody out until I'm sure they've lost all their money. What's on your mind? A horse named Fleet Lady. She disappeared at 7 o'clock tonight. Hey, you check under the rug. I'll try the cabin. She got back just in time to greet somebody's gunsel. If I say no, will you go out and lose your money like a good boy? Fleet Lady was owned by a gal named Sybil Thornton. The columns say you're number five on her list. And they never lie. The whiskey's too good. Also, a little bird says she was in your office an hour ago. That's right. She said your name's Novak. Oh. The next time you get a bombshell, give it a test run. With Flea Lady dead, your money's going to look good in the sixth tomorrow. 
What makes you think that gal would throw a race? For the same reason she goes out with you? Huh? When a gal takes a great dane like you out in public, it generally means the guy's a few bucks ahead of her. <coughs> you want to fight the team now, Novak? Oh. Just remember. Sometimes you can't be right in the gentleman, too. Yeah, I hope that's the way you feel when they pick you up for Jackie Gregg's murder. Huh? Oh, you do a real nice double take, mister. The jockey checked out with a horse. I didn't know that, Novak. Yeah, with no brains, you built this gambling club. I didn't know that he was dead. I told you that, Novak, and I meant it. It was all right for a little punk. I'm sorry he's dead. So's he. I'll see you later, Hauser. I gotta nose around and find out where you were tonight. Yeah. You seem all right, Novak. So I'll tell you. If you got any dough left when you leave my table, it's better than a horse named Fleet Lady in the sixth race tomorrow. You always bet on a dead horse? You got the tip. Use it or bury it, but don't loan it out. Oh, the case was a regular grab bag when I walked out of Hauser's office. I began to tick off the things that didn't add up. First on the list was that van down on the waterfront. If it was Fleet Lady, who got shot in the stable? If it was the ringer, that meant Fleet Lady had run tomorrow. I couldn't figure out why Hauser was so sure she'd win. An idea kept racing around in the back of my mind like an ant in a cookie factory. Jackie Gregg lied about that van down on the waterfront, but why? Not to bail me out of the poorhouse with 200 bucks. I got part of the answer when I stopped by the pay telephone and called Hellman. Yeah, Hellman talking. This is Novak. I got some news. You'll have to put it on the back page. What do you got? Your friend Jackie Gregg had some love life. Well, there's a chance for you, Hellman. Who's the girl? Sybil Thornton? Yeah, we found her picture in his wallet. The gooey kind. I'll bet you stole it for long train rides. What time did he die? The right fit for you between 9 and 10 o'clock. Two shots from a 32 caliber pistol. How about the horse? 45 caliber. Two people. It's getting involved. Maybe, maybe not. You got two hands, Novak. Look up a guy named Rudy Hauser. He's got a joint out on Geary Street. I got enough friends. You look him up. I did. He's still talking about Fleet Lady in tomorrow's race. All right. Maybe he's sentimental. Look, Novak, I'll pick out my own work. I don't need free help from you. Jackie Gregg paid 200 bucks, and look what he got. Suit yourself, but Rudy Hauser and that gal are close friends. Yeah? Like two-part harmony in a telephone booth. Now, get off the dime, Hellman. Hauser's got that gal in his hip pocket. She owns Fleet Lady, and he's betting her to win. You're trying hard, Novak. It's got to be a slow field to lose to a dead horse. Wake up, Hellman. You couldn't smell a rat in a basement full of cheese. I did all right in your apartment. Huh? That thirty-two caliber pistol. We found it up at your place. See you later. Well, I wasn't too worried about that. Hellman's smart enough to know a phony plan. I began to think about that thirty-two caliber pistol. It's a woman's weapon, but that doesn't prove anything. So's a bread knife if she's in a bad mood. Must have been about midnight when I got to Sybil Thornton's place. She was wearing black lounging pajamas, tied tight around a slim waist. She looked like a wasp with a nice sting, and she had company. Come in, Mr. Novak. Yeah. Mr. Novak, this is Ronnie Stark. Hello, Novak. Well, he's not very friendly, Sybil. He's just pouting because they're going to arrest him for Jackie's murder. How do you like Hellman? You've known him longer. Yeah. Somebody left the murder gun up at my place. Where you been all night? Please, Mr. Novak. You're embarrassing Ronnie. That's right. I'm blushing, and it's not the whiskey, Novak. I see. You must stay longer, Ronnie. Uh, he's persuasive, huh, Novak? 
I'll see you tomorrow. You won't forget, Ronnie. No, I won't forget. Oh, I'm betting on you, Novak. What won't he forget? Mr. Novak, I hope nobody ever asks you that question. You don't want to talk about putting that gun in my apartment? No. Let's talk about Rudy Hauser, then. Hmm? Your meat grinder friend, we just had a good talk and he opened up a new road. What'd you tell him? Don't break a spring, he's all right. Will you do me a favor, Patsy? Like not talking to Hauser anymore, huh? That's right. Won't do you any good, Patsy, and it'll do me a lot of good. How's he gonna know which horse got killed? I'll bet you lied to him, Angel. It's my apple cart, Patsy, to leave it alone. Sure, but play your hand right, baby, because I'm gonna watch your cards, and if you got one that says Jackie Greg, I'm gonna call you the hard way, too. Patsy, you're a nice beast. I really think you would. Sit down. Yeah. Drink? No. Do you good? Not right now. Well, you've read the book. Just a couple of chapters. I bet they're the right ones. You better watch out, baby. I may be a long shot. Well, you care as long as I bet. I don't. That's good. I didn't think you'd mind. All right, Angel. It's time to wire the folks. Just to know that. Just whether you know me better. That's for me. I left the number. It's your fault, then. Yeah. Hello, Patsy. What'd you find out, Jocko? Not much. Nobody seems to care about the six race. I care about it. Well, that's because you killed one of the jockeys. The rest of the people have a more casual interest. How do the odds run? No heavy favorites. Vinair and Sleepy Time Gal figure to be the best at around five to one. What about Fleet Lady? Down the line somewhere. I talked to one fellow. He says she's a dog and couldn't beat a paralytic goose over a hundred yards. Yeah, what else? That's all. What do you mean, that's all? Start digging, Jocko. We're not getting any place. Not even at your end? Huh? I counted on you to do better than that. Right, lover? On the way home, I bought the morning papers. There was a story on Jackie Gregg. No details. Most of the story was a statement by Hellman on Hellman. There was no mention of Fleet Lady. And at one o'clock in the morning, there was nothing I could do but roll into bed. I woke up about nine and called Jocko. It was like sending a message out to the Farallones by Indian Runner. He just muttered and said he'd meet me out at the track. Well, I had to have some more dope, so I called Iris Snow. He calls the races and bets on them. The way he does it, a horse is a real beast of burden. He was playing elf when I got him on the wire. Yeah. Ira, this is Novak. What do you know about the Bonanza handicap? It's a horse race. Oh, you're funny. What about the field? Are the horses any good? Uh, for hamburgers, maybe. Nothing else. How about Fleet Lady? Uh, Eastern track. Nobody knows. Would she be worth a heavy plunge? If you want to be a monk. What's this all about? Ira, I'm in trouble. How about a fix? Could they run in a ringer on Fleet Lady? That's been done before, but it ain't easy. That's what I figured. How's Rudy Hauser on horses? He ain't. He got burned a long time ago. He never bets. I think you're wrong. Look, Novak, I know every guy in town that's got the itch. Rudy Hauser? No. You know a guy named Ronnie Stark? Sure. Runs a book. Why? Nothing. I may see you at the track. I'm going to make a bet. Yeah. I'll tell the horses. Well, 
that left me in a hole. If Ira was right, Rudy Hauser on Fleet Lady didn't make a bit of sense. I got out to the track about 2.30. Jocko was there, and Hellman was wandering around up in the grandstand where they couldn't push him into a starting gate. Sybil Thornton waved from her box as I moved over to get a better shot at the starting line for the sixth. They were almost at the post when Jocko came back from the betting window. Well, Patsy, I bet two dollars on a horse called Scotch Victory. It seemed like a good omen. Yeah. I saw your friend Rudy Hauser at the window. Huh? He was pouring money down on the favorites to win. That's why the odds have gone down on Venier and Sleepy Time Gal. Look at that board. Yes, Fleet Lady's gone all the way up to 12 to 1. Yeah, from 8 to 1, all the way up. Maybe the word got around she's dead. No, that's the funny part. She's down there, number three on the rail, see? Not a peep out of anybody. is running third by one length. On the outside, it's Benair and Old Soldier by two lengths. Going into the clubhouse turn, it's Hot Weather by two lengths. Sleepy Time Gal by a half length. Fleet Lady is moving up on the outside. It's Benair fourth by one length. Fleet Lady runs well for a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, Rudy Howes had better hurry or he won't see much, huh? You better hurry. He left the track ten minutes ago. Huh, are you sure, Jocko? Yes, I heard him tell someone he had to make a phone call just before the betting closed. Well, Jocko, you're a sweetheart. Oh, I like to Let's go to the that... stable. Well, the race isn't over. It was over five minutes ago. Well, how about my two dollars? Come on, will you? There's only one person who won't try to fix a horse race. That's a horse. <laughs> I knew there was going to be trouble fast. The horses were just coming under the wire when I waved to Hellman and started for the stable. When we got there, Sybil Thornton was clearing out like a fire sale. I'm in a hurry, Patsy, darling. Let me by. No, you made a bad play, Angel. Stick around. Let me by, Patsy. You heard him, lady. Stick around. Thanks, copper. I'll take charge. That's a big gun, Hauser. I got a big beat. You let me drop a hundred grand, Sybil. Well, your idea, Rudy. Not this way. You let me drop a hundred grand because you ran Fleet Lady. Program said Fleet Lady, and that's who ran. I brought those odds into line at the window. My other 80 looked bad on Fleet Lady. You didn't stay to watch her trail the field. All right, I didn't stay. You lost your hundred grand. You killed the ringer. You were a smart big shot who was going to sew up the race. You ran Fleet Lady and cost me a hundred grand. All right, copper, move away from her. Over this way, Sybil. No. Don't let him do it, Patsy. I want to see how tough you are. Come on, Sybil. Let's you and me move over against the stall. Watch out, Hauser. You're backing into the horse. Grab the horse, Novak. He's going to trample him. You grab him. It's your idea. Is he dead? First time, you can't beat the horses. That's a bum joke, Novak. I guess it is. Now that we're all here, who do we book for Jackie Gregg's murder? I'll answer that one, friend. Who's this guy? One you missed, Hellman. Hello, Stark. Hi, Novak. Well, what are you waiting for, Sybil? Tell the man you killed Jackie Gregg. I've had enough trouble today, Ronnie. You got more coming. You figured it out yet, Novak? Hauser dumped his 80 grand on you. That's right. It's a lot of spending money. Wait a minute. Ronnie, I don't like this. You get your half, baby. I'm going to write out an IOU. And when they book you for murder and the vote's in, you can't use it. 
Who wouldn't do a thing like that, Ronnie? A dead girl can't spend 40 grand. She killed your guy, Copper, and tried to palm it off on Novak. I was there, so I'll testify. Ronnie, you're a no-good guy. Don't be silly. I love justice. A booker for murder, Copper. I want to tear up that I.O.U. finally worked it out. Started out as a fixed race, and when they were all through, it was up to the horse. Rudy Hauser put the squeeze on Sybil for some dough. She offered to run a fast ringer in place of Fleet Lady, so Hauser could pick up a bag full. Rudy just wanted to make sure, so he sent one of his boys around to knock off Fleet Lady. Only the guy killed the ringer instead. It was a break for Sybil. She made a deal with a bookie named Ronnie Stark to take all of Hauser's bets and guaranteed him that Fleet Lady couldn't win because she wasn't that good a horse. It panned out that way. She let Hauser think Fleet Lady was dead. He spent 20 grand at the window pushing up the odds on Fleet Lady and dumped another 80 on her to win. A moving van? It was a phony story Greg used to get me to scare Sybil. He wanted in on the deal. He went back to the stable that night, got in a beef, and she killed him. She had him out in her car. When I went to make that phone call, she figured it was a good way to pass the buck. Well, Hellman asked only one question. Why would a nice, tame horse go crazy and trample a man to death? Jocko had the answer. The horse that killed Hauser was a filly. The Armed Forces Radio Service has just brought you Pat Novak for Hire, starring Jack Webb. Pat Novak is produced by William P. Russo. Jocko Madigan is played by Tudor Owen. Inspector Hellman is played by Raymond Burr. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam. Be with us again next week when over most of these same stations we'll bring you Pat Novak for Hire. Novak for Hire was previously released by ABC, the American Broadcasting Company, for listeners in the United States, and rebroadcast for our men and women overseas. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education.
Marshal Shane, you must have some idea why Judge Thorman wants to see you. Honey, at 3 o'clock this afternoon, I received a letter signed by those men who head Judge Thorman's campaign committee. Mm -hmm. It told me literally nothing, darling, all of which I was warned to keep hush-hush. Oh, confidential stuff, huh? Mm Mm-hmm, very. I'm requested to appear at Judge Thorman's home at 7 o'clock tonight. I don't know why, darling. That's all the note had to say. Well, it's about 4.15 now. Uh Uh-huh. Which means you must curb your curiosity for two hours and 45 minutes. Oh, then I'm going? Well, it's not your company, I love, sugar. It's your shorthand. Well, I'm glad to know something about me attracts you. Michael, you know Judge Thorman? No. Oh. Well, then Judge Thorman must know you. Otherwise, why should he... Take it easy, will you, baby? Please, we'll know at 7 o'clock tonight. The Hastings Manufacturing Company and the Kayside Corporation present Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. At approximately the same time, Shane and his blonde assistant, Phyllis Knight, are discussing the mysterious note summoning Shane to Judge Thorman's home at 7 o'clock. Mysterious events are shaping themselves in Judge Thorman's study. The judge is conversing with one of his committee men. Eating at the club tonight, Judge? Uh, as usual, but not until after the meeting. Uh, by the way, has this Michael Shane fellow been contacted? Yes, a note was sent asking to him to be here tonight at 7. Oh, good. It comes highly recommended. Yes. If I didn't know you were one of my best friends, I'd say you didn't particularly care whether we ever find out who's making these silly telephone threats against my life. I was just thinking of this Michael Shane fellow. I... Don't think he'll be much help. Well, Inspector Coyle and Chief Randall assured me he was as capable an investigator as we No doubt. I'm afraid Shane will be too late. What the devil are you... I made those calls, Judge. You? What sort of stupid joke is this? It's neither stupid nor a joke, my dear Judge. Do you remember Carlton Winters? Winters? Well, yes, Carlton Winters, a forger. I sentenced him 16 years ago. What of it? You won't know my face, Judge. But look at the hatred in my eyes, and you'll see Carlton Winters. But you have known me as your friend for ten years. Yes, it's taken me ten years to ready myself for this moment, these hands you felt so sorry about. I deliberately crippled them so that I could be that much surer of my revenge. This face. Yes, I see it now. You'll see the man you sent away for forgery, the man whose wife later divorced him and married Paul Redfern. You took everything from me. You were guilty. That makes little difference. You enabled Paul Redfern to take Estelle from me. I vowed I'd pay you off, remember? It'll be over quickly, Judge, quickly. The suicide note is ready. I have your own gun. Suicide? Only to outward appearances, Judge. It'll really be murder. Get that gun away from my head, you fool! No, Judge. Not when I've waited ten years for this. All right, let's go over the facts, Inspector. Uh, Bill, take notes, please. All right. And incidentally, I copied those statements from Detective Johnson's notes, Mike. Oh, fine, fine, thanks. Well, Inspector? Well, Judge's wife, dead five years. A married couple acted as Judge Thorne's cook and body servant. It's the day off, checked, and they've been at a relative's home all day. Usually on Wednesdays, the judge had dinner at his club. Missed tonight. There was to be a meeting here at 7. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Something about tracing crank calls. 
Say, these uh, three men on the committee, there was uh, Thomas Charles Hart. Yes, he's a retired businessman from the East. Oh, Horace Apperly, big construction man, Paul Redfern, ex-prosecutor. Incidentally, all three of their alibis aren't worthy of the name. Not one of them can prove where he was between four and five. Well, now, go easy there, Shane. They're all big men. It's suicide. Yeah, so the note says, but I still don't believe it. Uh, Mr. Epperly found the body, huh? Yeah, about 6.30. Came in when he found the door open. Open? Open or unlocked, Inspector? Oh, sorry, uh, unlocked. Oh, uh-huh. Now, look, Shane, let's not make a mystery out of this yet. The judge is big people, and I'm here only to make sure there was nothing funny. Well, that's excuse enough to look around. The gun has a corrugated handle, so that eliminates fingerprints, right? Right. But there are powder burns on the right temple, and the bullet rains slightly upward. That and the note stack up to suicide. Yeah, but that note, that note. How does it read again? Yeah, just a note. Yeah, yeah. My guilt hangs heavy on my mind. I can no longer face my friends. Some years ago, I sent an innocent man to prison. Wait a second. Give me that line again, Inspector. Uh, uh, some years ago, I sent an innocent man okay, to prison. Okay, that's enough, that's enough. Handwriting been identified? Yeah, by Hart, Napoleon Redford. You know, for a fellow of the judge's caliber, it's pretty dramatic stuff. Well, people hopped up to suicide are psychodramatic. What's that about putting the neurosis on paper? It makes bad reading, that's all. Oh, Inspector. Oh, come in, gentlemen. Thank you. Glad to find you still here. We've agreed this terrible thing must be kept quiet as long as possible. Gentlemen, this is Michael Shane and Miss Knight. Hart, Epley, Redford. How do you do? do? Uh, About keeping this affair quiet, Inspector. Well, perhaps for a day or two. We haven't much chance to keep the facts covered up. Gentlemen, please, may I ask, uh, did any of you know about the judge's suicide desire? We never discussed such a thing with any of us. But all the evidence points to suicide, Mr. Shane. Yes, if we can believe that note, but I'm not so sure. Then you're thinking it might have been murder? That's what we're going to find out. In the meantime, Inspector, I want to run out and have a little talk with Joey Peller. Yeah, good idea. Peller? Peller, isn't he the man with a remarkable memory? Yes, Mr. Redfern. And I want him to jog my memory. <laughs> Yes, yes, what do you want? Mr. Feller? Yes, who are you? A friend of Michael Shane. Michael Shane. Oh, 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 come in. Uh, take a chair. Sit down. Don't mind if I squat here in this rocker. He's on the back. Not at all. I'll stand because I can only stay a moment. Uh, Mr. Shane suggested I see you. I want some information. Well, what do you want to know? Mr. Feller, do you recall a rather sensational case about 16 years ago? When Judge Thorman sentenced a forger, uh, a Carlton Winters. Let me see. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Quiet enough, Lord. I think I recollect that Winters second Judge Thorman life. Yes, and Redford, too. He was a prosecutor. Very good. Anything else, Mr. Pellet? Uh, huh? Yes, I do. Never heard anything more about Winters, but I think he was killed or. Uh, Died in an accident in Chicago. Hang on, thank you. Yep. Right. What, Mr. Peller? About three years after Wendy was sent up, his wife, Estelle was her name, I think, but she divorced him, and believe it or not, she married Paul Redfern. Yep. And uh, 
Gregson retired from public office right after that. You've been a big help, Mr. Peller. I'll be glad to help Shane's friend. Anything else, Mr. Mitchell? You won't need it, Peller. <laughs> what you doing with that knife? You know too much, Mr. Peller. <laughs> If you are like most car owners these days, you're looking forward to the day when you can get a new car, and the chances are that day is still quite a long way off. Meanwhile, it is false economy for you to cheat yourself out of good car performance and to take chances on a serious breakdown. Just drive your car into a good repair shop and get a professional checkup. Your serviceman may find, for example, that your piston rings are worn out, that worn-out rings alone are causing oil waste and the loss of pep and power. In this case, what you need is to replace your piston rings with Hastings piston rings. They stop oil pumping, check cylinder wear, restore engine performance. So whenever you need new rings, it will pay you to get Hastings piston rings. They're tough, but oh so gentle. Tough on oil pumping, gentle on cylinder walls. Now remember that name, Hastings piston rings. The best money you can spend on your car. Now back to Michael Shane, private detective. It seems that Shane had decided on a step in the right direction when he decided to have Joey Peller jog his memory. But it also seems somebody is just one step ahead of Shane. Shane and Phyllis Knight arrived at Peller's home only to find the man with the remarkable memory stretched out on the floor with very little of either life or memory left. Now at police hospital, a tense group waits at Joey Peller's bedside. How is he, Doctor? Well, he has a chance, but it's slim. He's coming out of it again. Keeps going in and out of a coma. Joey. Joey Peller. Joey, this is Mike Shane. Shane? Nice friends you got. What? Nice friends? Michael. Whoever tried to kill him must have used your name. Is that what happened, Joey? No, no. Joey, take it easy. Listen. Do you remember anything about a Judge Thorman case? Yeah. That's what the guy wanted to know. Joey looked for the prosecutors and forger. Called him the When he died, he called him. Said he Thorman. Joey. Joey. Sorry, Inspector. He's gone out again. Oh, poor little guy. Stay with him, Johnson. Catch anything he mumbles? Call me on it right away. Let the newspaper say Peller's dead. That'll protect him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a great night. A little over three hours, one dead, one well on the way. Look, Inspector, Mr. Hart, Eppley, and Redfern knew I was on my way to talk to Peller. They've got a few questions to answer. I know what you mean, Shane, but they're big men, and we've got to be right. Yes, but... Well, now, look... We've got to get every police record on this Carlton Winters. Samples of his handwriting, his fingerprint record. According to Penelope, the guy's dead. Well, let's check Chicago and make sure he's dead. Well, let's get on it right away. Well, you take that end of it, Inspector. I want to talk to Paul Redford, and I'll be at his home. What's the time? 
Uh, about 10, Paul. Gives us time to check up on our theory at Teller's place. Then get back to your home by 11 to meet the others. Well, just what is this theory you've got on Teller's death? I'm positive someone was interested in silencing Peller before the Shane fellow could get to him. Yes, but what do you expect to learn at Peller's place? Hey, wait a minute. What? How'd you find out Peller was killed? Uh, Shane got in touch with me. Oh. Well, who does he think is guilty? He thinks it's one of us. Us? Are you serious, Hart? Yes, Redford. And I'm also Carlton Winters. You? What did you say? I said I'm Carlton Winters. I'm going to kill you. Kill me? Just keeping a promise I made you long ago in court. But Winters died in Chicago. No, he didn't. Steady on the wheel. Don't take your eyes off the road. Then you killed Jeff. Yes, I killed him. Now it's your turn to be a suicide. Then can you guess who follows you? You mean my wife? Yes, Redman, Estelle. They'll get you. If they do, it'll be too late. How am I to die? Oh, it's rather simple. The hairpin turn is up ahead. We'll soon be on it. You're going to drive straight through the guardrail and down into the canyon. You can't force me to do that. You'll have nothing to say about it, Redman. You'll be dead before you take the plunge. I'll crash the car first. You thought of that too late. I'm ready now. I hit you. Now, hold wheel steady. Steady. Get the door open. Now. Two hundred feet down. In flames. A fitting tribute to you, Mr. Redburn. I'm terribly worried, Mr. Shane. Now, I wouldn't let it get you down, Mrs. Redfern. But, but he's always so punctual, so thoughtful. Naturally, he was quite upset when he came home with the terrible news of Judge Thorman's suicide. He left again, but he promised he'd be home no later than 10. 10.45 now, and he hasn't even called. But don't worry, Mrs. Redfern. I'm, I'm sure he'll be coming home any minute now. So I, I hope so. But now I'm terribly nervous. Uh, Mrs. Redfern, I'd like to ask you several questions. Yes, well, first, have you ever heard your husband speak of a man named Carlton Winters? Carlton Winters? Yes, Mrs. Redfern. Name seems to surprise you. Well, I'm not sure why, but it did surprise me. Winters was uh, prosecuted by your husband and sentenced by Judge Thorman about 16 years ago. Yes. Well, Winters was supposed to have died in Chicago. An accidental fire in a doctor's office. Yes, that's why I I showed some surprise, I'm sure. I remember Paul telling me Winters had died in Chicago. Must have been rather important, Winters' death, I mean, for you to have remembered, Mrs. Redford. It was important this night. You see, Carlton Winters had threatened the lives of Judge Thorman and my husband. I was glad to know the man was dead. And that's all you can tell us, Mrs. Redford? That... That's all, Mr. Shane. May I ask if your questions concern only Judge Thorman's day? Well, <laughs> yes, they do. But Paul said the judge had committed suicide. The pattern has changed. We're not convinced of that now, and we need all the information we can get. So if you know something you feel Mr. Shane should know, please tell him, Mrs. Redford. I, uh, no, no, there's nothing more I can tell. I'm going to be brutally frank, Mrs. Redford. You're withholding something. Mr. Shane, I... Oh, that's my door. Would you excuse me, please? Michael, 
Do you really think she's holding back something? I'm positive she is, honey. Do you really think it's one of the three men? Well, I'd be a lot sure if I knew what the inspector found out about their alibis, about the handwriting. Any one of them could be our men. Which one? Mm, take your picture, sugar. I'll take you. And what would you do if I... Oh, Mrs. Redfern. Mr. Shane, Miss Lloyd. This is Mr. Hart, Mr. Everett. Yes. yes, we met earlier this evening. They have come here to meet Paul. They would have a meeting here at 11 o'clock. Oh, why a meeting? Well, to discuss what should be done about the party policy now that Judge Foreman is dead. There's quite a bit to be settled. Mm-hmm. Have uh, either of you gentlemen had a talk with Inspector Coyle since 10 o'clock tonight? No. Why, Shane? Well, I want to see you, both of you. There are new developments in the case. What developments? Well, you recall that I mentioned at Thorman's home. I uh, I was going to have my memory jogged by Joey Teller. Oh, yes, yes. What about it? Well, you, Mr. Hart, and Mr. Epperly, plus Redfern, who isn't present at the moment, overheard my statement. Well, get to the point, Shane. What are you driving at? Murder, Mr. Hart. Joey Peller had his wonderful memory removed by a killer's surgery tonight. Are you insinuating that any one of us... Ah, keep your shirt on, Mr. Epperly. I insinuate nothing. I'm merely explaining why the inspector wants to talk with all of you and find out where you've all been hiding out this evening. Hiding out? I'm not hiding out. I'll go where I please, when I please. Could I fix you some coffee? It'll give me something to do. And, and perhaps by then Paul will be home. Yes, that's a splendid idea, and I'll help if I may. Well, please do. Come along. Now, look, gentlemen... Let's check these facts quickly while the ladies are fixing the coffee. Thorman is a suicide, which I still don't believe. Joey Peller is stabbed. Now, we have information that Carlton Winters might be our man if he hadn't died in Chicago some years ago. But we're getting samples of his handwriting and police record. Perhaps it may count up to something. But what good would anything be if Winters is dead? No good at all if he's dead. And I'm not convinced of that. Oh, no! Michael! Yes? Please, come quickly. What's wrong, Phil? Just come along, please, and alone. Right. Wait here, gentlemen, please. Michael, we, we started out through the hall to the kitchen, and here, right here on this hall table, was a note. Here's the note. Mrs. Redfin read it, and what well, you heard her reaction. Where's she now? She's sitting in the kitchen, just staring. Read the note, Michael, you'll understand. Estelle, darling, by the time you find this note, it will be too late to stop me. I tried to fight. Oh, no. Michael, this is terrible. She nodded yes when I asked her if this was her husband's handwriting. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, I'll take that on this hall extension. Now, look, honey, go back to Mrs. Redfern and don't let anybody even try to talk to Hurry her. Hurry up, Mike. Okay. Hello? Oh, that's you, Shane? Oh, oh, yes, Inspector. Still want to talk to Paul Redfern? And how I do? Better forget it. His car went over Cliff Road into the canyon in flames. What? He's on a slab in the mall. Oh, this is a fine mess now. His wife's hysterical. She just read his suicide note. Not another one. Yes, yes, and just as phony as the judges. Look, Inspector, look. Tell the coroner to go over the body very carefully. I'll be right there. Right. Hurry it up. Phil. Phil, can I see you a minute? Yes. Yes, I'll be right back. Now, listen. And listen fast. I'm going to make it stick. Redfin's dead. Oh. Oh, dear. Oh, my. That he meant that note. I don't know. I only know he's dead. He crashed his car. Now, I'm taking this note and sticking it at headquarters until we know as much as possible. Well, what about her? Honey, I want you to stay with her. Don't leave her for a minute, and don't tell her he's dead. I'll call you later or I'll pick you up. All right. But I think you should know this, Michael. What? I'm positive that note wasn't on the hall table when we came in. Good work, honey. Good work. Our pigeon is in there in the drawing room. Are they staying here? Oh, no, no, sweetheart. No, I'm going to convince them to visit headquarters.
Well, how did our guests take the stay here, Inspector? Unhappily. But they were jittery enough to be gentlemen about it, especially since they found out Redfern is dead. Left about five minutes ago. Oh. How about Winter's old samples of handwriting? Check with uh, any of the ones on the signatures on my note? Yeah, I just got the dope on that. The man says there's no question about it. We need more, though, Michael. Yeah? Well, I think we can get it now. Oh, hello, Doc. Hi. Well, what's the verdict? Well, I almost missed it. Something very thin punctured Redfern's eardrum. Went right into the brain, like a long steel sliver. But, Doc, if it was a steel sliver, who got rid of it? You? No. I couldn't find the sliver, so I decided it was maybe like a hat pin. Yeah, he was chill, all right. He was plenty burned and cracked up. So would you be if you fell 200 feet in a flaming car, but he was very dead before he hit. No evidence of fire in the lungs, huh? Not a scorch. He wasn't beating or breathing when he cried. Then it's murder. You've got your verdict, Inspector. Autopsy. Uh, hello. Yeah, just a minute. For you, Inspector. Mm-hmm. What is that? Inspector Coyle speaking. Yeah, Johnson? What did he say? That's really something. Good work. Stay with him. So long. More from Pella? Plenty. A bombshell. Estelle Redfern divorced Carlton Winters after he went to the pen and married Paul Redfern. Uh-oh. Oh, that's bad. Epperly and Hart have just been released, haven't they? Well, we couldn't hold them. Oh, that crazy woman withholding information. Inspector, she's in danger. At 2.30 in the morning? Look, if my guess is right, our man is on a killing spree. His schedule calls for crowding it all into one night. Yeah, could be. Norman, Pella, Redfern. And next, and logically, the woman who divorced him and married the man that prosecuted him. Look, let me get going ahead of you and your men. Call Phil and have her set it up like this. We'll, we'll save the You can't always predict the outcome of a mystery story, but here's something you can predict with absolute certainty. You can predict that your car will start quickly no matter how cold the weather if it has caseite in the motor oil. It's a fact, folks. Caseite guarantees quick starting in winter weather or double your money back. And only a product that really gives satisfaction can afford to make that kind of an offer. Now, just think. No more sitting out in the cold, struggling with a motor that refuses to go. Caseite retards congealing of oil, lets your motor spin over rapidly and start. And it reduces startup wear on your engine, and it saves your battery. Garages, service stations, and car dealers everywhere sell Caseite, only 65 cents a pint. Remember, Caseite guarantees quick starting in winter weather, or double your money back. You can't lose. Get Caseite today and start every day. Now back to Michael Shane and the trap set for a revenge crazy killer. It's about 3.15 a.m. The huge Redfern mansion is wrapped in the eerie glow from a thin sliver of moon. In the shadows of the porch, two men move softly, furtively. I think it's right for us to snoop around Redford's house like this, especially with Estelle so upset. Oh, relax, Everly. It's only decent to see that she's all right. After all, you yourself were worried about her while we were held at headquarters. Well, let's get it over and get out of here. Yeah, come on.
have Strathy smash windows. I still don't think this is a good idea. If we make a noise and waken her still, she'll be scared out of her wits. If we find she's all right, we'll go out as quietly as we can. No, come on. This window's unlocked. That's not so good. Oh. I'm beginning to believe that Shane fellow now. There's a killer loose, I believe. Shall I turn on this light? No lights. Keep it dark. Now that we're in, what are we doing? First, uh, go through the entire downstairs. You take the east wing, I'll take this west side. What are we looking for? We're making sure everything's all right. Check every door and window. See that they're locked. Go right through and I'll meet you in the back hall. <laughs> yeah, simple enough. If everything's all right downstairs, we'll check the upstairs. Then leave. Oh, I, but I still don't like the idea. Take it easy. Don't fall over the furniture. I won't guarantee you. <laughs> Now, to get upstairs quickly and arrange for Estelle's suicide while my perfect alibi searches downstairs. Estelle, we settle accounts. And again. And so ends this night. Who turned on those lights? Sorry, chum, the night has ended, and so are you. Shane! Yeah. We didn't find out until after you left police headquarters tonight that Estelle was once the wife of Carlton Winters. So we figured Estelle was next on the list. Oh, so you got it all figured out. You think we intended to let you get Estelle? Oh, no, no, no. We preferred to have you kill off that dressmaker's mannequin under the bed covers. Dressmaker's mannequin? Drop Shane, that I... knife. Drop that knife, I said. I'll kill you. I'll kill Drop you. Drop it. I... Easy, you crazy idiot. I don't want to shoot you. Stop it, Hart. I'll shoot not until I... Oh, thanks, Inspector. Michael? Thanks. Michael. Oh. Michael, what's wrong? Not a thing, honey. Not a thing. Michael! Oh. He's hurt, Inspector. Easy, Phil. Easy now. We'll take care of him. Well, the invalid is back. Welcome home, darling. Uh, thanks. I never liked this office, but it sure looks awfully good now. I'll bet. The inspector left this report for you. Copy. Hmm? Well, Hart's deathbed confession, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all here. You know, we could have stopped Redfern's killing if we had all samples of Winter's uh, handwriting to match his signature on the note the committee sent to me. Oh, you couldn't do any more, Michael. Yeah, it only proves what I contend, darling. There's a flaw in every human being. <laughs> I'd say Winter's or Hart was insanely perfect. <laughs> Almost, but not quite. You see, honey... When a man decides to change his identity, he must change everything, even his own handwriting. Well, now that you think the office looks good, you might say, um, precious, you look good. Oh, well, precious, you, you do look good. Very good. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome, darling. You know, Michael, you ought to get stabbed more often. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Michael Shane, Private Detective, stars Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis with Bill Johnstone as the inspector. Tonight's story was directed by Michael Raffetto, written by Alan Cameron, and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. The music was composed and played by Len Salvo. This is Charles Arlington speaking. Wilson speaking. Wonderful. Oh, fine, I'll pick her up this evening. Yippee, my new car just came in at the dealers. You got any suggestions on breaking her in, Bill? Only what a top-notch mechanic told me. What's that? Add K-Sight to the motor oil. That's sound advice for any new car owner, friends. K-Sight carries oil to the tight spots and assures a smoother break-in. Remember this, no matter what kind of motor oil you're using, you will get better and smoother motor performance when you add K-Sight. This program came to you from Hollywood. Stay tuned to this station for the adventures of the Falcon. It immediately follows station identification. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That's it for Case Closed this week. I hope you enjoyed today's episodes. You can find more from Pat Novak, Michael Shane, Case Closed, Relic Radio, all at the website, relicradio.com. Don't forget to visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link while you're on the website. Your support keeps this show coming every week for free and advertising free because I don't want to hear it and I don't think you do either. My thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.